0: Awesome. Thanks, you guys. That was really cool. That was great. Okay, so um, we are actually going to start a new series. Um, Thanks, Pete. We're going to start a new series on repentance, which is kind of uh, one of these sort of Christian words that gets used in the Bible a lot, is a really important word, but you probably never use it any other time, you probably never ever... Hopefully no one other tells you to repent for something else. I feel like i heard a story once of someone saying that you like spilt the milk. You need to repent or something. <laughs> like, but like we don't really use this word very often. And it kind of can just sound strange and, and weird. So it's kind of saying How do we talk about repentance to Aussies in a way that makes sense? And it really means to turn around and change your mind. So we called this series A Yui, mate. That's basically what it means. Repent. You're going down this way you need to chuck a yui, like you're going down Anzac Avenue, a good place to chuck yui is outside of Klangamakas, like there's a good, it's prohibited, it's not prohibited there, you can go, so make sure you, it has the sign there so you can do it. Um, but yeah, basically this is a, a one sort of way to summarize what this word means, and it, it means more than that, it, it's not just turning around, it, it, when the Bible uses repentance, it, it, it carries more things, and we're going to kind of talk that, about that over the next few weeks, but um, But, yeah, that's sort of where we're going, and particularly this idea of of driving. And I know a couple of you guys, Molly got her license, which is cool. (laughs) I just realized that. And Sarah's got her learners, which is cool. So people are starting to drive. Um, And when you're driving, you can sometimes be like driving along and going really good and everything's fine, and then maybe you sort of take a wrong turn and you're sort of off track. And we're going to kind of use this metaphor today to talk a bit about Life in a similar sense, that we can be sort of going along, things are good, maybe walking with God, we're going well, and then we sort of maybe just take a bit of a wrong turn and it can get worse and worse and worse. Um, it's kind of maybe even when you're driving and you, you take a wrong turn, but you don't want to acknowledge it. Like, you don't want to have to turn around, you don't want to have to say that you're lost and you actually don't know where you are, so you kind of just keep going, you just kind of fake it, because it's actually, you don't really want to own up to it. And, and sometimes that can be true in our lives as well. There's this story, um, I'm just going to sort of summarize it really quickly. Um, you might have heard of David, who's this, this king, the guy who defeated Goliath. He's the man who loves God. He's got the man who, ha- his heart is for God. And he gets to this place where he's the king, where things are good, where things are going really well. And one day he just makes this mistake. Um, it's in Second Samuel, and you can kind of read through the story, but basically he sees a woman who's not his wife, and decides that he kind of likes what she looks like. They end up sleeping together, and she's married to someone else, so he ends up committing adultery. And then the king's committed adultery, and then this this woman is pregnant. So now the, the man that loves God, who's the king, has gotten someone else's wife pregnant. And it's like, this is not looking good. And David then thinks, well, what are we going to do about this? Well, what I'll do is I'll make it look like it wasn't me, it was just her husband, so he tells her husband to come back from war, he's at battle, he tries to sort of get them to sleep together, so it looks like that, she's, that the child's from her real husband, and it doesn't work, the guy doesn't, he, he sort of sleeps outside the door, he doesn't go and sleep with his wife, and then, so David decides, oh, well, I better get him drunk, and that doesn't work either, so this, this sort of wrong turn just goes worse and worse and worse and worse, eventually David says, well, I'm going to have to kill this guy but he doesn't want it to look like he's killed him so he devises this plan where he sends a letter to the commander of the army where the husband of the wife is, is in, in wars in this army and he sends a letter saying you, what you need to do is get really close to this town and, and you get really close so you sort of maybe you can get hit by the arrows or, or like you're, you're in danger and what I want you to do is run away really quick but leave that guy behind and that's what they do they, they just sort of desert him and he dies so David basically murders him indirectly. So there's this, this is pretty crazy. This is the guy that loves God, who honors God, who's taken this wrong turn that gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And this can happen in our lives as well. Maybe not to that degree. And maybe not necessarily that it keeps getting worse and worse, but maybe sometimes. But there's always and, and, and ways in which maybe we turn down wrong paths or we've got wrong habits or thought patterns. That, that don't honor God or don't bring life and 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 goodness and joy. And actually often the thing that maybe the natural reaction that we have is to is to hide it. Like David. To sort of just make sure nobody knows about this. Not even God. We just don't want to talk about that. That's just like a no-go zone. And and that's basically how David responded. But it's interesting how God responded to David and how maybe God sometimes might respond to us about things in our lives that actually are down these wrong paths away from him. This is from Psalm 32. We're going to kind of go through Psalm 32. It says this, When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. This is David writing a poem, and he's kind of writing it about what happened? He made this mistake, he went down this wrong path, and now he's thinking about it and what it was like when he was keeping this thing a secret. And he said he kept it a secret, but his bones wasted away. Day and night, your hand, that's God's hand, was heavy upon him. He felt this, this pressure, this, this weight, and it was probably this, this sort of sense of guilt that he's done wrong, but it's also this sense of God's not happy, or God is sort of pointing this thing out to David. God God isn't kind of just like, actually, yeah, nah no, it's all good. Just do what you want. It's fine. Like God's actually putting some pressure on him. But it's not that God's just mean and nasty and like kind of condemning him. It's actually that God loves him and knows that this path that he's gone down is actually not good. It's not right. And he's keeping a secret. was actually keeping him cut off from God, which is not good. And not right. So God kind of is is highlighting it and bringing it to attention. And that can be true in our life as well. That sometimes we might experience times when God points something out. It might be something that we know is wrong, or it might be something that we weren't even aware of, that His Spirit kind of just puts its finger on and says, hey, what's this thing? Or, Or maybe we realize actually. Actually, I'm going down this path that's actually really not good. And kind of the, the tendency we have normally is if we're experiencing that, we're like, oh, things are just not right. Things are just not good. There's, there's something wrong. There's sort of the tendency is it's someone else's fault. The, the, it's the people around me. If there were better people around me, I would treat them better. <laughs> or if, if the circumstances weren't, weren't so bad, things would be better. We sort of just sort of look around or blame others. But actually, it might be that there's something wrong in us. There's actually a wrong path. There's a wrong direction that we don't want to acknowledge. Because again, that can be hard and can be painful and can be difficult. But David gets to this point, And you can read the story um, in 2 Samuel. But basically, God ends up sending a prophet to David. And this prophet tells this story and, and basically points out to David what he's done is wrong. And David comes to a place of admitting it. And he says, I've sinned against the Lord. This is what it says in Psalm 32, it says, Then he said, I acknowledged my sin to you. I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. This is, David gets to a point where, he's, where he comes before God and is actually just lays it all out. He's actually just honest. And this, there's three different words for sin in the Bible. It has all of them here. Sin is like failing or missing the mark. We're supposed to be a certain type of person or human is to, to love God and love people. If we sin, we fall short of that. We don't measure up. Iniquity, this word means to be kind of crooked or bent. It means we're not, we haven't just done wrong things, but we're kind of twisted in a sense. And, and this is this bent out of shapeness to us. And transgressions is this word that means to break trust. That, that God trusted David. Really, And then David broke God's trust when he sinned. And in and similar ways, there's times in our lives where, where God has called us to something, or, or he, 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 we, we know what it means to be in a relationship with him, but then we break trust. We fall short. We're crooked and bent out of shape. And maybe we hide, like Adam and Eve hide. But then if we hide, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And God might sort of put his finger on it. But what he wants is for us to be like David gets to this point where we actually come to him and we're honest and we're open, and we just lay it out, and actually say, yeah, I've sinned against the Lord. Actually, yeah, the issue is, is my heart towards people. Yeah, I, I have this problem, and actually just bring it to God. And that can be kind of scary, because to do that kind of just means you've got nowhere to hide. It kind of means that you're actually at God's mercy. It kind of means we don't justify ourselves and we're like oh we don't downplay like oh no it's all good everyone else does it it's fine it's, it's not a big deal or actually I do all these other good things it's, it's fine it's not a big deal like if you actually come and say actually yeah you're right God like that's that's the wrong path that's not good I've failed I've stuffed up to actually do that is scary because he's God and, and we're at his mercy and David may have been scared of that but what he found as soon as he came to God and did that he said, God, you forgave the guilt of my sin. As soon as he came to him, God forgives. We're at his mercy, but the truth is that he is merciful. We are fully dependent on his forgiveness, and he forgives. He's a forgiving God. Our standing with him is not because we've kept it all together, and we've done it right, and we've, we've sort of made up for the mistakes. It's actually that we've got no leg to stand on but that he forgives and is full of mercy and grace and compassion. And that's actually the place that he wants us to come back to. So David gets to this place, and now he's writing. He starts to use God's voice. This is God speaking, but David writing. God says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. This is what God's saying. God's saying, I don't want you to live in this way which is like independent of me, which is trying to cover up and trying to make it in your own strength and actually kind of just hiding like God, that's not God's desire. God's desire is that he's the one that will lead us and teach us and instruct us. It says, I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Do not be like the horse or the mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. This is another metaphor right, of a horse that, that is saying it has no understanding. Maybe it's a bit wild. It needs to be controlled. And I used to read this verse Thinking, What this is talking about is, is God saying, don't be like a horse that needs to be controlled. Just submit to God. Just just obey him and, and follow him so that he doesn't have to control you. Like that's what I used to think it says. That's actually not the point. If you read it, the point is, don't be like the horse which must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. God's heart is that we, he doesn't have to pull us and control us to get us to come to him. What he wants is for us to come to him. And it's interesting, right? David, who's the one who loves God, he makes this mistake. The interesting thing in the story is that he doesn't come to God until right at the end. Like he's stuffed up. He could have just come to God right at the start, but he didn't. He thinks, I have to hide this. And it gets worse. I have to hide this. It gets worse. I have to hide this. It gets worse and worse and worse. He could have just come to the Father, he was waiting. And God's saying, don't be like someone I have to control to get them to come to me. Come to me. There's many of the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. This wrong path, ultimately, are paths that we walk down that are actually paths of not trusting in him. They're, they're paths of trusting ourselves, of, of pride, or I can do it this way. This will be better, or self-protection. I need to look after myself. Therefore, I need to go over here. And it's actually not trusting in him. But he says that the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the one who trusts in him. It's like this story. You probably know this story in Luke 15 of the the prodigal son who's gone down a really wrong path. He's he's gone away from his father. And he gets to a place when he says, I will arise and I will say to my father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. He says, I'm just going to lay it out. I'm going to be honest before my father. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. It says, and he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him. That actually God is like that. He's not sort of standing back and just wanting to make us feel bad or like point stuff out. He's not standing back and being like, sort your life out, get your act together, then come to me. That's, he's not like that. But he might point out things that actually, hey, you're going down a path that's away from me. Come to me. I'm full of compassion and mercy and love. And actually, he wants us to stay in this place of trusting his forgiveness and his love and his compassion, not needing to sort of do it by ourselves. So David gets to this place where he owns up and he chucks the ui, he turns around. He's going down this path and he says, no, this is wrong. I need to come back. And that... Does, that did involve and sometimes does involve some pain and grief. Sometimes it's like, oh, actually I've been going down this path and there's a sorrow that, that is related to that. There, there, there can, Or there can be a pain because it's, it's such a habit or it's such a, it becomes an identity. Sometimes we end up worshipping other things which are like idols and sometimes to let go of them is scary and can sort of grip and, and cause pain in our hearts. It's actually not comfortable often. It can actually be quite traumatic even, and God is not doing that to just cause pain, but to bring life and to bring healing and to bring joy, and the interesting thing about Psalm 32, and there's other Psalms about when, when David has, has repented in Psalm 51, and there's other times that this word that's kind of like a word that we kind of think, oh, that just sounds bad, like repentance sounds painful and bad and terrible, most of the time when it's reference, there's a link to joy, And in Psalm 32, we see this. David then starts talking about joy. He says, Therefore, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Surely the rising of mighty waters will not reach them. This is like the strength and protection of God. He says, You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. This is like songs of worship and praise and joy. The end of Psalm 32, David says, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you upright in heart. And it's like he's just talked about people who are forgiven. It's like, hang on, who's the upright in heart? It's the people that have come and laid it bare before God and trusted in his mercy that now they're forgiven. They're made righteous. They're upright in heart. He says to rejoice. The start of this Psalm, he says this, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. Whose sins are covered? Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. It's this picture of actually the, the the ones who are forgiven, the ones who don't hide, but are honest before God, are forgiven and blessed. There's this this link between yeah this 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 humility and repentance, but also blessing and joy. We see it in Jesus. Jesus says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit." Blessed are those who mourn. Because we kind of think, you know, blessed are the people who are just happy and never feel any pain or grief or sorrow about anything. Like, that's kind of what we think. But the Bible tends to say, actually, no. It, those who come to the end of themselves, who are humble, who, who are even broken, who, who acknowledge the truth about our failures and our wrong paths, they're actually blessed. And they're actually the ones with true joy and forgiveness. That there's this, this truth. It doesn't have to be fake or kind of worked up but there's actually an ability to be fully honest before God. Actually, I've stuffed up and failed. But fully receiving his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness. And there's this, this theme that we see that repentance actually leads to joy. That actually coming, turning around and coming back to him can, can involve pain and sorrow, but actually is the pathway to joy and freedom and life. One of the... Um, I've been reading this little book that that kind of a fair bit of this is is based on. Um, It's by a lady who wrote it during World War II. She was writing about experience she had in 1944. Um, Her name's Basilia Schlink. That's like a good German name. And she was a Lutheran nun in in Germany during World War II when the Germans had basically lost the war. So it hadn't finished, but they'd, they'd lost. So she's in a war zone. And she's, she's a nun, and she's looking after, like, youth kids. So some of the youth group, you guys had, like, a youth retreat not long ago. So she basically took kids on a youth retreat during a war <laughs> when there's, like, bombs going off. They go away on a youth retreat. I don't know if we would do that. That seems crazy. But, but basically, when she does this, she had had this experience with God where God had challenged her and, and revealed sin in her heart to her and actually lead her to this place of repentance, but also like joy and, and renewal and closeness to God. And she wanted to share this with, with her youth girls. So they basically go on a retreat. This is one quote that she describes this. She said, The German army was defeated. So she's, she's German in Germany. They've lost. The allies entered the city. But we who have gone to the depth of sorrow for our sins and turned from them in true repentance we finding heaven amidst the destruction. The distress of war vanished in the reality of heaven, which was there. So there's bombs going off around them, but they're saying we are experiencing heaven. God's presence was so close to them. They experienced this renewal of, of faith and life and joy, and it happened through repentance. They, they, they realized it's their brokenness and their need for God, and they, then they realized his forgiveness and his mercy afresh, and it led to this this full um, this, this, this spirit of joy, even though there's a war zone going on around them, this spirit of this 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 experience of being close to God in what would be seen as a place of destruction. David says this at the end of psalm fifty one the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. A God you will not despise. And again, this is, is coming to God aware of our need of Him, awareing, aware of our failures, aware of the need for grace. And we kind of get, we often get that, that that's, that's when you become a Christian. Like when you become a Christian, you, you, you realize we sinned and we trust Jesus and we've gone down this wrong path, so we need to come down the right path. And we kind of can sometimes think, well, that doesn't need to happen anymore after we become a Christian. But, but it, it does. It's just in deeper and more subtle and, and, and um, more heart ways that maybe on the outside we might sort of think, well, actually, now we're pretty good. But, but then when we compare ourselves to Jesus' standard, and even like David, Jesus says that, that if we lust after someone in our heart, we commit adultery. Or if we hate someone in our heart, we commit murder in our heart. And Jesus calls us to love our enemies and to pray for people who are against us, and to love uh, our brothers and our sisters, and to live a life of full love for God and each other. And if we kind of assess ourselves by that standard, we sort supposed to like, we don't measure up to that. And, and no matter where we're at, there's this sense of actually we're broken before God. We need His grace and His mercy. And we sort of just get to deeper and deeper levels of that. There's this great quote by Tim Keller. He says this... Um, can you just click on to the next one? The gospel is this, the good news about Jesus. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. That actually we realize, actually, yeah, we're broken even deeper ways than we thought. Actually, there's, there's deeper ways that we don't trust God, or there's ways that we even resist him in our hearts. And, and, and push against him. But actually, his grace and his forgiveness and mercy are greater than we could imagine. That he would even send his son, that he would, he would take our place, that he would come and walk with us, and even that his love is so great that he actually even highlights those things. Because sometimes we kind of tend to think of love means that you just let people do what they want. That, that's kind of the tolerance view of love. If you love someone, you'd never correct them. You'd, you'd never say that they're wrong. You just love them and accept them. That's kind of, in some ways, the sort of generalized definition of love. But God's love is not like that. God's love is, hey, you're going down the wrong path. It's actually bad for you. It actually leads away from me. It's actually going to be even worse and worse the further you go down. So I'm going to point that out, and I'm going to highlight that, and I'm going to make it even uncomfortable to draw you back. That, that He actually loves and is jealous for us. That, that's what his love is like. That, that, that it's not like a just tolerate it's, it's an accepting love but not a tolerating of, of, of sin love a forgiving love but one that actually rescues and, and saves and transforms that, 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 because he actually is jealous for us and this, this word of, of repentance or turning around that kind of can have just sort of bad connotations of no nah, I don't want to go there actually is the pathway to joy actually is the pathway to renewal Actually, it's the pathway to experiencing more of his presence. And again, this is not like, okay, so we've got to work something up and be really sad or something like that. That's not not the point. I guess that the point of of tonight and talking about this one point is to be aware and sensitive to when God might be working in that way in our hearts. That actually there might be some times when something's just not feeling right and we feel bad even and and challenged by something and, and we realize something in us that's not right, and maybe the tendency is hide or downplay or fix. Or, and actually, no, be aware that God might be bringing something to light. And the thing to do is actually come, turn back to him, actually repent and actually receive his grace and forgiveness afresh. Another, another thing out of tonight can be to actually even pray for that to happen. Actually pray and ask God, God, give me the gift of repentance, of a broken heart before you. Make me aware of ways that I've put things before you. Make me aware of ways that I resist you. That that I don't love you and others. And actually reveal them and draw me back to yourself. The the lady who wrote that book talked it that she 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 so loves this thing now of of, of being challenged by God and feeling Forgiven and gracious, that she prays for it daily. God, would you give me daily repentance and daily forgiveness, and actually this this posture of coming humble before God and being lifted up by Him again and again. That's actually something to pray for and ask for, and and just to be open the way that He works, and and then that might also involve um, bringing that to light with other people and asking for help, um, even confessing. There's there's times in my life. When, when that's happened, there was even one time earlier this year, where it was, it was weird. It just felt like God was challenging me on one thing that what turned out to be an idol in my heart, which was um, around my job as a teacher. I used to be a teacher, and I just loved teaching. And once I started teaching, it was just awesome. I just loved work. It was just amazing. I just felt so good and then became a pastor (laughs) and not a teacher anymore. And then felt like actually God's calling me to keep going as a pastor and not go back to being a teacher. And I felt this sense of grief. And it was weird, it was over a couple of weeks that I would get emotional when I talked about it and it was, God was doing something. And what I think ended up being is that I had made teaching into an idol. That I actually felt a sense of identity in that role. I felt a sense of security in that role. I felt a sense of actually I need that to be okay and actually to let go of that was scary. And God is kind of pointing on it and highlighting it and it's painful, but it's actually like freeing once you let go. It's actually painful to let go, but actually he, he wants, he's jealous and he wants the freedom and the joy and he, he'll pull, up, pull, pull us back to that. And that was like a couple of week period. And it got to a point where I, I, it kind of slowly came out and I was like, I, I think I need to repent of that. Um, and I think I need to do it with somebody else. So I sat down with Tam and we just prayed. And I just said, God, I'm, I'm sorry for putting my trust in teaching and finding my identity in this role and finding security in this job. This is a good thing you've given me that I've made into a little God. And I want to repent of that. I want to let go of that. I want to come back to you. And actually, just a couple of week period where he just did this work in my heart that was then freeing and life-giving. And, and I feel, in a lot of ways, free from that now. And, um, and I guess so. the point is that we don't have to work up something, but be open to what he might be doing and what he might be highlighting and to come with that openness to him and lay it bare before him. And maybe at times actually say, yeah, God, what I, that, that was not a good path. I want to let go of that. and I want to come back to you. So what we're going to do is, is just spend some time um, in response. And maybe even tonight, even as I've been speaking, maybe God is even highlighting stuff. Like maybe you're like, hey, I know there's this thing and, and I just need to come before him and, and lay it out bare, and, and receive his mercy again. And maybe it's not. Maybe tonight it's like actually I know I'm forgiven and I'm just in this place of joy. And the response is to worship and to, and to praise him for his, his forgiveness. But maybe as well tonight, it could just be an opportunity to, to, just to open ourselves to ask, ask him to highlight stuff, ask him to draw us back, ask him to deepen our trust and our love and let go of the grip we have on things or the paths that are not good and turn back to him. So we're going to take communion, which is an awesome time to do that, where we realize that, that like we said, he's not just sort of standing back in judgment, it's not like get your act together at all. It's that he's actually come and given his life and gone to a cross. That he takes the first step. He takes the initiative. Or it's like with the father, he, he runs to the son as he comes back. And Jesus and God has, have described and, and, and demonstrated their love in the cross. That he, Jesus would pour out his life in our place for our sins. His love is that great. And often it's, it's actually when we just look at the cross and we realize the heart of God, that that can actually be the thing that breaks our hearts. And we realize the ways we've resisted him or not trusted him or not followed him, When we realize just how great his love is. that It's not necessarily looking at ourselves and trying to find bad stuff, but looking at him and actually we compare ourselves to him. And we come back and let his kindness melt our hearts afresh. So tonight as we do that, I encourage you just to take the biscuit representing his body and dip it in the juice representing his blood and, and just think about the cross. Think about his heart, his love. Think about the cost. And, and, and come with that heart of, actually, I'm fully at your mercy, God. I have no leg to stand on. I am broken before you. Yet you love and you forgive and you show mercy and grace. And just, we cast all our weight on that. And that's actually the place of joy, that we have a God who forgives and loves and is gracious, and everything is secure in him and his love and his mercy it's not us, it's him, and actually, to stay in that place, so maybe we could have a little bit of keyboard or something, and um I invite you to come as you're ready and tonight if if there is things coming up, I encourage you to engage with God in that place as as we sing. Um, if you'd like um, prayer, I'd be happy to pray with anyone, or ask someone around you to pray. If you'd like to come forward for prayer, um, and if you'd like to just talk about it or, or sort of journey through that anymore, I'd be happy to talk to you as well. We're going to keep talking about this for a couple of weeks, um, and and yeah, we'll keep going. So let's let's pray. Um, maybe we could stand together, um, and then then we'll come and take communion, and then we'll sing together. So if you could stand stand now and I think even just sort of say we want to step into what God wants to do uh, we want to be open to him um, attentive to him and I'll just pray and ask Holy Spirit to come and work and, and, and meet us and um, yeah do, do a work in our hearts tonight Jesus we thank you for the cross that is the sign and symbol of who you are and your love it's not just a soft, um, tolerant kind of nice love, but a fierce, rugged, bloody, sacrificial love that would go to the depths of darkness to rescue us and forgive us. And we just ask, Jesus, that you would um, work in our hearts by your Spirit tonight, even give us a heart of repentance and brokenness before you and, and freedom from sin and, and joy in your forgiveness. Um, Courage, even God, to come before you with honesty um, and truth. And just a fresh touch of your forgiveness and your grace and your mercy. So Holy Spirit, would you meet with us tonight? um, Do the work that you can only do in our hearts.